Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Hey everyone, welcome once again to the table. We're a few days out before Father's Day, and we have a very special Father's Day conversation today. I am with two young men that I consider my friends and look up to and grateful to have them in my life. One is my son-in-law, my only son-in-law, Chase Myers. Chase, welcome to the table. Thanks, man. I'm glad to be on this side of it now. I, I hear some of this on the other side, but, but yeah, but it's cool to be here. Thank you. Yeah, Chase has kind of worked interference for getting us connected every week and making sure all of all of our listeners are hearing the podcast, and of course, his wife, my daughter, Lauren, is now doing our editing for our podcast, so uh, just grateful to have you on this very special Father's Day edition, and here in the studio, first time ever I've had anybody in the studio, uh, is my good friend, Hunter Harris. Hunter, welcome to the table. Thank you. I'm glad to be back, and uh, looking forward to having a fruitful conversation. Yeah, and yeah, I'm glad you said be back because Hunter has been on the podcast before, earlier this year, before the world went wonky, and we could actually have face-to-face -face conversations. Uh, Hunter was on, I think, Mardi Gras time. Yeah, yeah. King's Cake. That's king, right. Yeah, had a was, King Cake. Yeah. It was good. Here's an interesting statistic. One in four pregnancies end in miscarriage. And many of those pregnancies they happen so early in the pregnancy that they don't necessarily get identified as a miscarriage, but 25%, one in four um, future babies, the babies in the womb, end in miscarriage. And both of you have experienced that. Your wives have both lost a child. I lost a grandchild, a granddaughter. Uh, and that's what we're talking about today. It's a subject you don't hear talked about a lot. It's, it's, um, so we're just going to unwrap that. I mean, we're looking at it from a different perspective, and that's the perspective of the father. So I'll let both of y'all begin kind of just sharing, sharing your journey uh, with your wife uh, in, in, you know, any, any details you want to share. In regard to that that time in your life, I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to Hunter first. All right, I'll go first. Uh, <clears throat> we had already had one son, Cooper, so this was our second child, and uh, we found out that Jennifer was pregnant, and 
after a few appointments, it was uh, obvious that the baby was not progressing. And long story short, October 15th, Jennifer uh, said, you know, it was hurting, it wasn't feeling right. And we wound up at the emergency room all night into the morning and had to have emergency surgery. Uh, the baby had had died. So uh, it was probably the lowest point I felt. I know it's the lowest point that she's felt, um, but it's hard. Um, it's a different experience for men and women. Obviously, there's no comparison of uh, what a mother would feel versus a father. A father doesn't have the same physical pains because the father doesn't care of the child. But I think the emotional side of things is something that men are, have a hard time talking about. You know, a lot of times when we had that conversation about miscarriage, it's already a taboo subject. But for men, it's even more so because you don't want to be vulnerable and you don't want to admit that you've got hurt in your life. But when you reach that point, you realize that hurt is real and that you need to be able to understand that uh, you need to work through that with your spouse and work through it with others and be encouraged. You know, it's a, it's a very heart wrenching experience to go through. It's, uh, I'm not telling Chase anything he doesn't know. He's had the same thing go on. So it's just really something that doesn't get talked about because I think we're afraid of how people might think about it, but we have to talk about it because it's real. Like you said, one in four, pregnancies we have to be willing to talk about it because god has made every child in the womb he knit us in our mother's womb he knew us before we were even born so we need to realize that and celebrate the fact that god has given that life in the first place yeah ours was a little different we um we thought everything was fine like I, this was our first child her name is rory capri and all of our appointments were good. We, we really didn't have any cause con for concern. We did, at, at one point they did mention that, that maybe she was like a little bit small for, for where she was, but they weren't concerned about it. They said that there's kind of like a, a two week window where, where they could be behind or ahead and, um, and they, were, they were fine with everything, you know? And we were driving three hours almost to Odessa for our meetings, I mean, for our appointments. There's a small hospital about 20 miles from here, but uh, it wasn't really a great fit for us. So we didn't think so anyway. So we've been going there. And uh, on this particular day, I, um, I didn't go with Lauren to that appointment. So she called me uh, three hours away and said, and she's crying and, um, and said, you know, the, they can't find a heartbeat. I, I don't know what to do. They're, they're looking like, and, and yeah, it was, a it was a, so, a sobering moment. You know, I, I felt super helpless, um, especially as a, as a spouse, not being there for my wife, you know, and this was, this was the first appointment that she had gone to by herself. We, uh, we expected just like a normal, a normal appointment, no sonogram. Like we, yeah, we didn't, we didn't think much of it, you know, and, and so I went, I went over and told her mother-in-law, I mean, mother-in-law, her mother, and, and we left immediately to go meet her. She had to go to the hospital from the clinic over to the hospital for them to try 
and then it was a just three hours of of just kind of of knowing an outcome you know what i mean like and and waiting to face it but it was it was all a big reality check for me and and like like hunter said like people people don't talk about it and I, i'll say like even a lot of people don't talk about miscarriage in general much less the father side of it but uh for for me i didn't even i never thought much about a miscarriage you know like as a as a as a guy um that had never we hadn't experienced that through my mom while we were kids or anything you know i um i just I don't want to say that I thought it wasn't a big deal, but I just didn't realize how big of a deal it was, you know? So we, we got there, um, we were 22 and a half weeks along. So Lauren had to actually, Lauren had to give birth to the baby. And uh, so we had to schedule, schedule that for the evening. They, they induced her and then we were waiting and, and all of that was super strange. Um, Waiting to, it's like, the mom has to go through all of this work still, you know what I mean? Like, um, but with no, knowing that there's no reward at the end, you know, just, uh, just kind of like coming face to face with, I don't know. I, I really, I don't even have words for it. It just makes me feel sad. Sorry. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so we, uh, we did that, you know, and, and Lauren, we talked and we prayed and we, we were also excited to see her, you know, and, and they, they encouraged us to take pictures and stuff. And, and I wasn't sure like what to expect of a 22 and a half week old fetus, you know, and, um, but they're like incredibly developed at that point. The gravity of the situation didn't really hit me fully. Even, even all the sadness, like leading up to that, like it, it didn't hit me until I, held her till I held her and I could look at her and realize that um like you you could distinguish features you know like like her her head and like facial shape seemed like mine you know like her she had like wide palms like me you know like her her hands looked like they would be my hands and um it uh and that's when I like truly broke down um, I think at, at first, you know, for dads, maybe I won't speak, I won't say that. I won't say for all dads. Right. But for me, it was like, we planned having a baby, right. We, we were ready. We were at the point in our lives that we, we wanted to have this kid. We tried it. It happened very quickly. And it was like, we had all these plans. And whenever I first got the call, because I didn't, I was very sad, but I, but it just hadn't like hit me. It was almost like, um, it almost felt just like when you're a kid and you have plans to go to Disneyland and then, and you have all this excitement built up for what that's going to be like, you know what I mean? Like, and then that trip is taken away from you. I, I just didn't get it, you know, until, until I was holding her. So, and then you realize that it wasn't, you didn't just lose a plan. You know what I mean? You, you lost a life. Um, you lost a, a family member and and then you think you're kind of like faced with with all the things that you're missing out from that you know like and you wonder like what she would have looked like and what or he like and and what how they would have grown up and what they would have been like and um like what what they may have done with their lives or who they may have changed or impacted and 
uh, but yeah, but it, uh, I, it is hard to talk about as a dad. Um, I guess that like we don't talk about feelings a lot in general as men, you know, um, in, in America anyway, like you're, you're taught to be strong and suppress that. And, and, and as husbands, you know, we're, we're taught that we need to be there for our wives. And it's such a, I feel like even though there's a definite impact on a father, obviously, like it's so much worse for a mom. Like they've sacrificed so much at this point. Um, I mean, physically, but like that, that bond has already begun. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I can't imagine what it's like to knowing that you're growing life inside of you, you know? And then, um, and then the self-worth issues that come with losing that life or feeling like you, you weren't good enough to, to produce that, you know, the, it's a, it's very hard on, on, on moms. Moms have it tough, man. Sorry. I've been, I've been ranting for a bit. I'll hand it back to you guys. You know, yeah. And you, you hit on something I was going to ask a question about because it enters into it. How do you grieve your loss while comforting your wife who is experiencing a deeper, greater loss or loss in a deeper way, a more intimate way in, in a way that, we can never understand uh, the, the connection between a mother and a child. And it's like, you're dealing with two things all at once. Uh, how do you, how do how do you navigate that? How did, how did you navigate that? Maybe navigate is not the best way to say it, but, uh, you know, maybe you're still in the process of navigating that. Uh, I know for, for us, and I say this knowing that everyone is different. There's no rule book on how to handle something like this or anything like that. So some people move on quickly. Some people it stays with them for the rest of their life. So nothing is right or wrong about any way, but for us personally, uh, you know, it's, it wrecked Jennifer and it still, uh, it still sticks with us as a family to think about, you know, what would have been, you know, you don't think about, uh, that kind of stuff until it hits you. But once it hits you, for us, it, it doesn't go away. You know, we have ways of, of remembering that. But I think for us, uh, grieving is also understanding the other side of things. You know, I think it's Ecclesiastes, a time for mourning and a time for celebration, right? So you have times where you're supposed to grieve, husband and wife, man and woman. It's not just one half of the couple doing it. You, you need to do it together. But I think for us, uh, now we have Tucker, who was born after this. He's six months old. And I think that has helped us celebrate how valuable life is, how you cannot take any person, any day, any time for granted because – God cared about that person. God formed them. And as a parent, you're tasked with leading them. You're tasked with growing them and making them the person that God wants to be. So why would you ever take that for granted, especially when God gives and takes away? You know, that's, that's the part we don't want to talk about a lot. God gives and takes away. That's happened from creation till now. And that's always going to happen. You have to be willing to accept that but thankful that he's given you life in the first place. Yeah. The, I mean, I, I think that 
we have a son now, Hindi, and he's nine and a half months old. And for a while, we we didn't know if we wanted to try to have another kid, you know, especially Lauren. Um, it would it was harder for her, you know. We didn't, it, like you said, it is different for everyone, and we didn't want to to just move on, and we didn't want to act like like it never happened or like she never happened, you know. And and we still don't like we that is definitely still with us. It's still, I'd say we're still in that process. And um, actually we celebrated her on um, June 6th uh, was her, her birthday um, from that. And, uh, and so we go to Point of Rocks out here in Fort Davis. Um, that was a hike we went on while Lauren was pregnant with her. And, um, and we've done that every year since just to kind of celebrate that life and um but yeah you're right i mean the lord gives and he takes away and i don't know why you know but i do know that um i have a hard time like with everything happens for a reason you know what i mean because we we don't always understand those reasons and and i don't know um i mean it's a different topic i think right but uh but i do know that we definitely celebrate indy's life even that much more you know that it's like you don't you don't know how truly happy you can be until you've been truly sad, you know, and that that spectrum kind of grows and is relative to our experiences, I think. And so our our appreciation for for Indy and for his life and like we like you said, try and just cherish every moment and and not in a way to forget about Rory, but um but in a way that that does justice to that kind of um I just finished reading a book on prayer by John Eldridge. He's probably most famous for Wild at Heart. This book is called Moving Mountains. And it's a different book, different perspective on prayer than I think any I've read. But he talks about, in the course of the book, he talks about the partial, P-A-R-T-I-A-L. And he uses Jesus's parable of the sowers as an example. And in that, in that parable, there were four different, the, the seeds fell on four different types of ground, but it only took root and, and grew in one of them. And, and he says less than half the seeds that Jesus planted ever bear the fruit he longs for. Uh, and then he says, Jesus implies that his batting average is about 250, which if you know baseball, that's not a good batting average necessarily. And he says in our lives, we have to come, to terms with the partial nature of this life. Yeah. Are you, you know, have you come to terms? And then I think the, the most, uh, when he brings that thought to, to this point, he says, have you reconciled yourself to the partial? Are you able to hold on to your faith when only some of your prayers are answered? He says it takes genuine maturity to do that. And how has, you know, this, we all, I think, if you have a growing faith, you also have a struggling faith. I think growing faith in God is not static. And I think when moments like this that you both have experienced is a, is a, is, is a can be a pivotal moment, definitely in our spiritual growth. 
how have you, again, used the term navigate it. And I'm thinking in terms of navigating through difficult circumstances. How, how has this challenged your faith, maybe caused you to struggle with the partial nature of this life? Uh, for us, I think um, it's really helped us understand. You, you talk about the partial, about how in life it's okay to expect that some bad things are going to happen. That's just the way it is. Like the parable says, not every person you talk with is going to accept Christ. Not every person that you talk with is going to be kind to you. I mean, that's just life. That's the way it is. And for us, um, thankfully, we've seen the good of having a child and the awfulness of losing one. And both of those moments were just as real as the other, you know. The joy can be as real as the pain, but the part that comes into uh, when you talk about your beliefs and your faith in God is, God, I, I love you and I trust you, whether it's good or bad. Um, there was a song, I don't know if it was released right around the time that, that we lost our child or if it was, I, I don't know, but it stuck with us. It's uh, a song. It goes, all my life, talking about God, you've been faithful. All my life, you've been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. And it makes, that has stuck with us. And every time that song comes on, this is what I think about, you know. And I think of Job, and he talks about the Lord gives and takes away because he knew that the circumstances in our life here are not what determine who we worship or how we worship. You know, we, a lot of times we think of this life is our, our resume, our destination, our home. You know, God made us with an eternal perspective. It was never in the moment here and in the moment there. It's a collective life that leads, if you choose to follow him into eternity. And that's the kind of perspective that, I think it's given me personally going through this is that I understand the bad is going to come, but how do I handle that bad? I respond to God in the same way that I do or that I should on a daily basis. And that keeps the joy going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think um, it would be dishonest of me to say that there wasn't part of us that, questioned or blamed God when this happened, you know, and then we just kept on and, and knew that our faith would carry us through, you know, because it, it's not really, that's not how it happened. <laughs> um, you know, we, we, we did question and, and we want to know why. And, and, you know, I, I am more than even for myself. I'm, I want to know why it happened to my wife, you know, like the, like she's, I've, I've definitely done things or whatever, you know what I mean? Like we've, we've all, we've all sinned, you know, but I, but like, if you put mine and my wives together, um, you know, my side of the scale is heavier. I, I would imagine. <laughs> um, and, and I didn't, I just, I saw how much she was hurting, you know, and I didn't under understand that. I didn't, she didn't deserve that, you know, and, and she didn't think that, you know, I think I'm, I'm going to try not to speak for her during this you know but I, I know we had some questions and and for for me personally coming out of that i i thought 
both of my parents kind of struggled with drugs on and off as I was a kid. And my mom was there always. My dad was, was in and out of prison some and, or a lot, <laughs> but, um, but I, I think of like situations and circumstances that, that I've been brought out of. And I think about like, I could, I could blame certain things on God then, but I see, um, I see what in hindsight, I've seen how that's like built my testimony. I've seen how I've been able to reach people that, that maybe, maybe you guys wouldn't necessarily relate with in the same way because our experiences are different. Um, and I've seen what's come of what he's brought about from that. I know other areas that he's like protected me from, you know, in, in those times and when things could have been so much worse. And, and I know uh, that out of all this bad came his glory and that, and that he was able to use all those times and for good, you know? And, and so I, I knew from my history in my relationship with God that, that good would come of this, you know, and, and that we would be able to even, even like on this platform, like to, to have a voice and to talk to people that, that maybe haven't talked to other people or have been afraid to, to have these conversations like as men or fathers, you know, and, and I'm grateful for that. We can have this conversation on, on a platform that has the potential to, to reach a lot of people, you know, and, and we wouldn't be here if it weren't for that. We were also lucky. Uh, I say lucky, that's a terrible word for this, but, um, I actually, I take that word back completely, but I will say coincidentally our two of our really good friends, Jared and Corey Dubry, they were pregnant as at the same time. They were expecting at the same time that we were um, actually, we were the due dates were a day apart and, and their appointments were a day apart, you know, and, and they also lost their baby. Uh, I want to say around 16 weeks and, uh, and his name was Oliver and and we talked about like how i mean we we grieved for them and we felt terrible you know we thought these are really good friends of ours we're both having kids we had like these grand like our kids are gonna grow up and they're gonna be the same age and we're they're gonna be friends and you know like and uh and when that happened like i don't know we couldn't we couldn't imagine those circumstances uh and and for I don't know. Then six weeks later, then that also happened um, with us, you know. And and so, uh, while that was terrible for for both of us, I I know we're grateful, and and I'm sure that they are as well. That we we had people to go through that with, you know, and and people that we could relate to very directly. Um, there were also several other men uh, that had reached out to me and and said, "Hey, I know what this is like." I know it's not talked about, call, call me, you know, if you need anything, call me or, or let's talk, like I, let's grab coffee or, but, but all of those things acted as like encouragement and, and helped us get through and, and mend our, our relationships or like maybe, maybe tears that started in our faith. Yeah, there's a scripture in Jeremiah and God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. And of course he's speaking to his children at that particular time, but yet it's this principle that holds true throughout all the scripture uh, where, where God is promising. He says, I will turn their mourning into gladness. Mourning being mourning as M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Uh, I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. And uh, that's part of God's redemptive work. I, I quote it often that, that saying what God allows, he redeems. If what he has allowed is surrendered to him to redeem it. I noticed this on the day that Indy was born. 
I noticed that the because because both Indy and Rory were born in the same hospital. I realized I just remember remembered that's the same kind of hospital gown. And I, I had that picture from where you know y'all were holding Rory Capri. And then I had a photo that I had taken of, you know, her, of y'all holding Indy Chase. And I took those two pictures and I just did it for myself. I didn't share this with anybody, but I took those two pictures and, and put them side by side. And that's instantly what I thought of is how God takes our mourning, our sorrow, and can turn it into joy. And it's not taking away from the mourning we've had and it's not even replacing it. Um, but it's, it's bringing redemption into moments that are incredibly painful. And, and again, it's not, oh, now it's solved. How have you seen God do that? Uh, redemptive moments. And you've already talked about some of them as you shared your experiences. Guys, how, how's, how have you witnessed that yourself? Well, I know for me personally, the most redemptive thing is having a child after that. Um, you know, we, that uh, does not erase, like I said earlier, it does not erase anything that happened with uh, the miscarriage at all. But you see just how thankful you are to God that he provides those children in your life, how uh, every child is a blessing, how the miracle of life is something that we all should marvel at. And when there are times, like me and Chase's cases here, where you don't get to experience that, you uh, have to realize God's redemptive quality is that every one of our lives as Christians, you look through the Bible, you read it as a whole, and God tells us that our worship to him is being a living sacrifice. That means that at the end of every day, as we go throughout our day, it's always being in communion with God. And at the end of the day, at the end of our life, that communion with God is always joy. You don't experience sadness. So like we've talked about earlier, sadness is going to happen in your life. It's going to feel awful. You're going to feel awful. Your spouse is going to feel awful. But that's not it. That's not the end. Um, even if you're in a situation where maybe you've tried to have children for a long time and you're, you're not there yet, don't give up. That's not what defines you at all anyway, but, uh, don't give up hope in, in God and what he can do in your life. Um, because his word says that he does redeem us in his own way. So I think that's what I hold on to is that. Every part of our life, God has a hand in. And every part of our life is part of that redemption story. Yeah, I mean, um, I think, like Hunter said, the most, um, having Indy was the most redeeming moment for, especially as it uh, relates to this topic, you know, um, being able to, to celebrate his life through the pain of Roy's loss, you know, and will be a part of his story as he grows, you know, like that redemption's not done. Like seeing him grow up and seeing what, what he does and, and having the opportunity to, to raise him and, 
uh, and to love on him and to receive love from him. Like that redemption story is still building and growing. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's just not done yet. Um, I mean, other ways, like my, like I said, my, my family was kind of broken, um, in ways. My, my mom was always there for us. She, um, and she always prioritized us as, as children. And we were the motivating factor for her to, to get sober. You know what I mean? Like, and, and continue. And, um, and her perseverance is, is crazy to me, but I feel like, like my relationship with Lauren, like we, we're redeeming our family. You know what I mean? Like having, having this family and keeping a Christ centered marriage, you know, and like that's redemption. The, the fact that my brothers, like that we're all, we're all sober, you know what I mean? Like, and, and we're all healthy. And um, I mean, those, those have all been redeeming parts of our life. I, you can edit this if you need, <laughs> but, um, but when I, when I proposed to Lauren, you know, I, I'd ask you if, if I could use your old ring um, or, or the diamond from your old ring anyway. Um, and, uh, and I, and to me, I, I thought it redeemed a, a promise, you know what I mean? Like, and, um, and, and kind of, broad circle around or com- completed that, you know, going into to our relationship and, and family and, and that, that sticks with me still. And yeah, I'll say also Lauren and I, that was a, that was definitely the, the hardest thing we had gone through together, you know, and our, our relationship has grown. Um, it's opened other lines of communication for us where maybe uh, newlyweds aren't, you're still getting to know each other. You know what I mean? Like you're going through new experiences and you learn what Chase is like in pain, you know what I mean? And in happiness and whatever. And I learn what Lauren is like in, um, in grief and in mourning and, and you experience people in, in ways that you or your spouse in, in situations and in scenarios that you haven't experienced them in, you know? And, and sometimes those situations bring out different parts of us that, um, that aren't known and, and they're not always pretty. Um, but, but sometimes, uh, I mean, sometimes they're like to see the grace that she and how she handled it, you know what I mean? Like, and, and to see her go through, like some of it was beautiful to, to learn about, you know, you learn how strong your, your spouse is, you know, and you learn how committed they are and you, you learn how, um, how much they endure and persevere and, um, and they're all, they're all redeeming um, qualities that you may not have known about before. I want to thank you both for your, your uh, vulnerability to talk about this. And I think it's been a precious, beautiful conversation. I'm trusting that it's going to reach ears. Maybe somebody who's, when this is released, will just learn. We've just lost a baby. Uh, any, any, as we kind of draw it to the landing point, any word, final word of encouragement for somebody who this moment or this week has found themselves where you were two years ago? What would you say? For me, and I, I think uh, I can speak for Jennifer on this point too, is that if you're in a situation like this or you've experienced that you can talk 
I know I can speak for myself. You can talk to me. If, if you're you know, a woman, you, I'm sure Jennifer would be willing to talk with you about uh, the grief that comes with it as well. Uh, I think the thing that I want to most communicate is that we don't need to keep this taboo. I know a lot of times people want to sweep this subject under the rug or they don't want to talk about it, and that's understandable. I think, you know, there's a lot of excitement that comes with having a child and to have that taken from you, you don't want to talk about it. But I would encourage, if not in public, you don't even have to make it public, but in private, have those conversations with people because when you have those conversations, it also gives glory to God because you're talking about a soul. You're not talking about a clump of cells. If we believe what the scripture says, that God knew us before we were born, that he knit us in our mother's womb, and we're talking about a soul. We're not talking about just some discarded thing like the world might see it. For Christians, it can be a different conversation. It can be a, a sense of encouragement knowing that God loves you. And even though it may not seem like that right now, if you're going through that or if you've gone through it in the past, it doesn't have to be the end of the story for you. That that uh, awful experience that you just had is not a grief that has to stay with you the rest of your life. You know, at the end of the day, you read the verse about uh, turning mourning into joy. And I think, that's the biggest thing is find someone to talk to about it as men, especially I think men, we already don't want to talk about stuff that bothers us or hurts us. But when you realize that talking about your hurt and your pain with other men can lead to conversations about how God redeems that everything that we have in our life, every word that we say should point to God at the end. So we should have those conversations that talk these things out with other believers and realize what God's role is in the story. That's the ultimate goal is worshiping God and glorifying him in everything that we do. That's it. Yeah, I definitely agree. You got number one advice is just to talk to people. <laughs> like, don't, It is so taboo. No one wants to talk about it or bring it up. But, but honestly, like, as soon as you do, you find, I mean, you find four other people that, that have gone through it, you know, and, and that, and that have been there and that, that can tell you like, this is what this was like for me. And these were my stages, you know what I mean? Like, and encourage you and they can share their story of redemption so that you realize there is something um, to come, you know, like that's, it's, that's not the end of the story for you. I think it's okay to, uh, I think it's okay to vent to God, you know what I mean? And express your anger. Like, I think we feel guilty about that sometimes, you know, or um, I, he wants all of that, you know, like he wants our pain and our anger and, and he understands, you know, like it, it's understandable to be angry in those situations. Like again, and he knows that the, so I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I say I vent, vent about it. You know what I mean? Pray about it. And, and, and then listen, uh, to like his his subtle encouragements and, and love and through that you know yeah yeah a few weeks back on the podcast I talked about venting 
you know, and just recall the point. And I'm, I, I'm a chief of venters. I've vented a lot. So, uh, uh, yeah, and he can handle it. You're exactly right in what you said. He already knows anyway. Well, dude, yeah, he, I mean, he gave his son, like, it's not, it's not just sympathy. You know what I mean? Like if there is true empathy there, like, and, and had I been asked to do that willingly, I, you know what I mean? Like I, I couldn't, especially in the direct circumstance, you know, like, um, yeah, I mean, he, he knows what you're going through. So. Guys, I want to thank you both for bringing, bringing this conversation to the table. I'm going to go ahead and wish you almost two weeks early week early by the time this is out happy father's day um, hey. happy father's day to you too hey, bro. Uh, and uh i'm grateful to be in the brotherhood with y'all uh, i love you both and i appreciate you both i think this might be the start of something unique maybe we ought to take bring uh i think there's a there's a ton of uh hurt points in our world we live in a fallen world and we were born in a battlefield. It's the reality of, of our lives. And, and uh, there's, uh, you know, we have a redeemer and man, his fingerprints are all over everything. I just want to thank you guys for coming and opening yourself up and just sharing. Yeah, thanks. thanks for having us. Sorry uh, if I got a little rambly. Yeah, you're fine. You're fine. As long as we didn't go over an hour, we're good. I'm not going to edit a thing. So. Uh, as, long, as long as you don't include our tests, we're under an hour. Yeah, we're not running the tests. <laughs> uh, have a little bit of a challenge, just recording challenges. So. We got there. We got there, yeah. Well, thank you guys both. Thank you for those who are listening in. And we will be right back here next Monday morning. And just pray that you have a wonderful week with your families. Wherever you are, wherever you are hearing this, as we're continuing to go through a season of uh, pandemic and uh, racial challenges in our nation are, are just so much that is uh, crying out. And uh, just thank you both again, guys, for being here. Thank you for those listening in. And we will see you next week when the words are shared, party of redemption, your table is now available until then.